Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg, joined by Jay Billis and LaFonso Ellis. And we are all in Las Vegas, and we're all in basically the confines of our own separate rooms. <laughs> probably makes sense. And uh, Feast Week, coming to an end, but as we come to an end of Feast Week, We've got a really special game, and I know, Jay, you're on the call, and you had a chance to watch Duke and, and watch Gonzaga practice. Just what's your first take on that game? Because that game, to me, has all the makings of an instant classic and maybe even a, a Final Four National Championship game. It is basketball royalty playing against one another, and two teams, I mean, the last time I can remember them playing was in the Maui Invitational with Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Rui Hashimura, all those guys, and Gonzaga won the game. It was a, an unbelievable heavyweight fight. And I think this game will be similar. That uh, you know, I think Gonzaga is one of the best offensive basketball teams that I can recall in the game. Uh, with all of their cutting, their vertical cuts, you know, they'll late cut into things and the different sets they run. And they have five guys that can legitimately dribble, pass, and shoot. And, uh, you know, people talk about multi-positional, but they really are. And to be able to take like a seven foot two guy, Chet Holmgren, who's a freshman, and they can space him out in the corner, run action, and a big guy can't protect the basket because he's worried about a three. I mean, it's it's remarkable. And then I think Duke is legit. Um, I, I think it's got the chance to be a great game. Uh, but, you know, after I watch Gonzaga, if we all watch Gonzaga take apart UCLA, uh, you kind of feel one is the favorite, and I think it's Gonzaga. Fonz, what's your, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, my first thoughts are, are, are similar. Uh, I, I, they're incredible the way they run offense. I mean, the way Gonzaga push the, pushes that basketball on misses and makes puts tremendous pressure on your transition defense. And then once you do get set, uh, their ability to space the floor, uh, they can go five out, they can go four round one makes it incredibly hard to, to, to defend them. And as I watched Duke, if they try to deny passing lanes and uh, get really up and in the basketball, I think that it, it'll expose them to a degree because to Jay's point, all five guys can put it on the floor and get to the middle. Of, it can put it on the floor and get to the middle and be able to create plays for others. And I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the matchup uh, with Paolo Bancaro and Drew Timmy. And I think it's going to be important early, um, especially for the young freshman, to not get himself in foul trouble, but uh, really both from the post and when he catches it out on the floor, try to get Drew Timmy in some foul trouble. And if he can do that, it puts Duke in a really good position. Yeah, I, I think Timmy's going to end up getting matched up with Mark Williams early on in the game, at least. I don't know. I, you know, I think – if Duke goes smaller, I think mm -hmm. you, I think we're going to see that matchup. But you know, I, you know, to me, uh, you know, you made a point about pressure, and like Duke seems to be back to old school Duke. Uh, an old school Duke was up into the ball, denying ball reversal up the line, denying entry passes, and you know, the spacing of of Gonzaga is special. Their cutting is more than special. Uh, Jay, you mentioned they got floor gamers and playmakers all over the floor, which kind of puts a lot of pressure on that, uh, their ability to play on the ball or off the ball. And I th I've been fascinated with Julian Strother because mm -hmm. he is like Corey Kispert 1.0. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Big time three point shooter, very good cutter, rebounds uh his position. Uh straight line, more of a straight line driver. Uh I've been really impressed with him and I've been blown away by the poise, the patience, the manner in which Andrew Nebhard is carrying himself. He mm-hmm. is a not a good leader, he's a great leader. He never gets sped up. He plays at his own pace. Uh, he advanced passes the ball up when the opportunity's there. You go underneath the ball screen, he's going to knock down a three. He moves to the open spot when he feeds the post. Um, I don't think that pressure can bother mm-hmm. this Gonzaga Gonzaga team. What What's your guys' thought on that, Jay? I think that's the whole key to the game is Duke, because I agree with you. I think Duke is is trying to pressure more. They're trying to play out in passing lanes more which they haven't been doing as much in the last several years. Uh, So it's going to be pressure at every spot. And so the big question is going to be, can Duke push Gonzaga a little bit further out on the floor? You know, maybe make Nemhard turn his back a little bit uh, in initiating and then extend the catch. If you can extend every catch, uh, that might be able to disrupt some of the timing and cutting actions, take away some vision. That's easy to say. Everybody Mm -hmm. says they want to do that. And that was my biggest question. Like I was asking all the, you know, all the Gonzaga guys, because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody speed up Andrew Nemhart yet. Yeah. And so I was asking, has anybody been able to do that? And, uh, and he's gone from being a, a, a great setup guy that got, now he can take over too. And maybe he could last year, but didn't have to, but he can take over a game like he did against UCLA. So I think he's the whole key to the game. You know, can Duke disrupt them and pressure them without fouling? And then are they going to double Drew Timmy? Uh, and, you know, because Timmy can, I mean, he can get the ball over the floor. It's not just a low block player. You know, he can set right. a high ball screen, short mm-hmm. roll, long roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a real challenge. But if they double, Timmy's such a good passer uh, that, that, you know, I think Gonzaga's going to get shots. I, I, I think Duke's going to have to score in this game to yes. win. Uh, and they're going to have to hit shots because I don't think it's, you know, this, this, this game isn't going to be like 62, 61. Mm-hmm. This sucker is going to be up in the eighties and it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, I look at what's the model of a team that's beaten them recently. And it would be Baylor. What, what was unique about Baylor offensively Baylor had four, three guys out there on the perimeter who could, who were super threats from the three point line, all shooting above 38% from the three and all could put it down. Uh, as I look at the Duke team, Duke is not as efficient uh, from the three-point line. They can put it down and get to the rim for sure. But because of that, you don't have to respect their shooting. So Gonzaga doesn't necessarily have to get up and, and, and pressure those guys. They can lay off of them. Uh, even their closeouts, they can shorten their closeouts and play them for the drive. So I just, to your point, Jay, uh, they, they, Duke's going to have to score a lot because they're not going to be able to necessarily keep Gonzaga from scoring. And and and, and their inability to consistently knock down threes, I, I think, is going to be problematic. Because even if we look back uh, to their game against Kentucky, they're one of 12 uh, from the three-point line, and they're going to have to be much more efficient from the three-point line to beat this Gonzaga team. Look, they're going to have to make shots. They're going to have to take care of the basketball. Because if you miss shots and you don't take care of the basketball, Gonzaga's coming at your warp speed. I mean, like defensive transition is going to be the most important thing. We talk about pressure. And first of all, you got to be able to set your defense to pressure. And I was blown away. And look, UCLA did a horrific job in defensive transition. Miles Johnson did do a good job of corralling the ball. Their effort wasn't, quite honestly, what I would have expected. And McCronin's 
coach team's effort in terms of defensive transition. Now, they get in transition a couple ways. Bad shot, turnover, and block shot. And block shot is a big thing. Like, you know, their block shots are like outlet passes. Uh, and then they they are explode up the floor. And, and, and the other thing that's going to challenge Duke is you want to pressure, you want to deny. The, it's harder to deny a team that flows from transition into concepts than it is a team that runs their break, pulls it out, resets, and gets into offense. And, you know, what, what Gonzaga does an incredible job of, to me, is their flow from transition right into their concepts and their, you know, whether it's read, you know, read and react or, you know, they've got a couple of sets, but basically they're playing at, off of the defense and, and they're playing out of, you know, Dribble handoffs, spread ball screens, uh, pinch post action, but it, it, it's it's not choreographed. Like I, I watch Purdue, everything they do is choreographed. It's absolutely beautifully offense Purdue runs. Gonzaga runs offense that literally is purely uh, in relation to playing good basketball with good spacing, with good players that under, understand how to make plays. Now, here's the last question. Bancaro, Holmgren, we know that. Look, everyone says number one, number two in the NBA draft. All right, and that and that's great. It's a long season. Both of them have different roles. Like Chet Holmgren's role for Gonzaga is to be an active and alert defender, rebound the ball, protect the rim, uh, and he does it really well because they got Drew Timmy, they got other guys that they can play through offensively. Paolo Macero's role for Duke is they play through him more than probably anyone else. Do you guys have any feel for that matchup or you know, I guess, Jay, you've been around, you know, Dukes when they've had really, really good players or in Fonz, you've been one of those players that had to play against another great player, you sure. know, that were both have really, really hyped. How do you think those two guys approach the game? I, I think they approach it a little bit differently in that, you know, Bancaro has to be the man for Duke this year. You know, he's mm-hmm. their, their top scorer. They isolate him a lot. Yeah. I think everybody knows he's their primary, you know, he's the son for their, their team. And uh, at least uh, on the offensive end, and he's going to get a he's really good. Now he's going to get a lot better. Uh, Holmgren is, is really good right now. and going to get a lot better, but he's not the primary scoring option. Um, he's a, but his defense and is and then the way he can help them space and all that, but his defense is is really good. Mm-hmm. I think he I think they can take advantage of him in certain situations, but he's protecting himself much better. Like I think what he's done a really good job of, Seth and Fonz, is you know, he's so slight of build, mm-hmm. but he's doing it, he's not getting in wrestling matches anymore, at least as often as he used to, getting in clutch and grab situations. And then he's he's doing a better job when opponents get into his body of taking the hit without getting knocked back and mm-hmm. still making a play on the ball to either block or change it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are really good players that we've seen, whether it's UCLA or Texas, whatever, that uh, that you know feel him around and they wind up missing shots because they know he's there. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested to see like how Duke handles that because they're they've got a couple body seekers. Uh, that can finish plays right, but it's a different deal going over against a seven-six wingspan and and that sort of praying mantis shot block and <laughs> shot changing ability he's got. He, and he's a you know they're both really nice young men, um, but but there's a vibe about that Gonzaga team that reminds me of of being a 
like a bunch of old men that play at the Y at night, you know, like they're all successful <laughs> businessmen, but they've been yes. friends for 30 years. Right. And they, they've got a lot of old souls on that team. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting contrast. Uh, not, not that Duke, those guys get along great. They're just, they're just, they seem a lot younger. And, uh, and, and those guys seem a lot older to me. Uh, maybe, maybe they are, but, but, but they seem older. Yeah. A lot less pressure on Chet Holmgren. Uh, he, he, can impact the defensive end of the floor alone. And Gonzaga is still in position to be able to beat almost any team in America. Uh, Paolo Bencaro, to Jay's point, is is the guy. And, and having played, Jay, I had the privilege, privilege of uh, being in the same high school class as Christian Leitner, Alonzo Mourning, uh, those guys. And we had the privilege of having them on our schedule. Uh, Duke, we played every year. Uh, Georgetown, we played twice. And just from a competitive standpoint, I was saying this to Seth the other day, is uh, all, all three of us were in the top 10 uh, in our high school classes and Leitner and, and deservedly so. Uh, oh, I forgot about Billy Owens at Syracuse, played those guys every year also. Uh, and those guys deservedly so were higher uh, up that top 10 than I was. And when I saw those guys, oh, we were going to be playing those guys on the schedule. I was absolutely amped. And so I wanted to show that I was equally as good as those guys and deserving to be in that top 10 or top five with them. And so I was saying to Seth, when the game started, uh, that was my mindset. And then I had to remind myself that this is not tennis. It's not one-on-one singles, that it's a team thing. And I had to make sure that I was competing against those guys and trying to beat their team, not them individually. Uh, I'm wondering just a little, and obviously he's probably more mature than I was at that age, and uh, if Paulo Bancaro will be feeling a little bit of that. And if he is, he's got to make sure that he gets that under control early because he can't allow that to speed him up and get him in a one-on-one match, whether it be with Drew Timmy, but particularly with Chet Holmgren. And so he's going to have to be cool and calm beyond his years and let the game come to him versus kind of uh, trying to get 20 in two minutes and, and, and get out of control, uh, get himself in some uh, foul trouble by picking up some offensive fouls. So I'm interested to see his mindset going into the game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait a second, Fonz. Now you got to tell us what you did against those dudes. I mean, like um, you set the stage. I mean, mm-hmm. did you kick their ass or not? I mean, come on now. I mean, like you oh, got to yeah. tell us. I know you know, Fonz. All <laughs> players know when they get that big matchup. All right. I know you know. I mean, what'd you drop on those dudes? Because I no. mean, like you scored a bunch of buckets. No, it only counts if you win them. I was 0 for 4 against Duke. <laughs> Beat Syracuse twice in the carrier dome. So I felt good about that one. And uh, we lost to Georgetown twice. Had him uh, beat at halftime in the NCAA tournament. And uh, Charles Smith went off for 30 and uh, lost that one too. So good against Syracuse, not so much against Georgetown to Duke. We know, Seth, th- this is, you know, so feast week and having it end up with, with Duke Gonzaga in Las Vegas is going to be in- incredibly memorable and impactful for all of us. But I have to tell you that the most memorable and impactful thing from this trip is uh, Fonz didn't make his bed. So the nicest guy in America didn't make his bed. I can see it right behind him. <laughs> you know why that is, though, Jay, right? You're in a hotel? As as, soon as I'm He's going back to guys, sleep. I'm going right back to sleep. <laughs> He's going back to sleep. Hey, <laughs> Fonz didn't go to sleep, and not because he was having a bender or he was on the tables. Fonz doesn't go, go to sleep till about 1 o'clock, 1.30, 2 o'clock, even in, even in Pacific Standard Time. 
Poor Ted. I mean, you have you wake up in the middle of the night to have that uh, uh, that conversation. Like if I called my wife late at night, she'd like just hang up. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a little bit fatigued last night, so I had a little eye fatigue. Did I see what I thought I saw? Uh, Seth, did Jay get your bill last night? No, no, no. It was a diet coke. Oh. They gave me the wrong bill. They gave me they gave me multiple makers mark. I don't want to say how many because I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to tarnish Billis's image or anything. But there are a whole lot of string of makers mark on that bill. I said. I'm trying to have a diet. I had a diet Pepsi. <laughs> well, so, okay. actually, Fonz, Seth yeah. got exactly the right bill because I told the the wait staff uh, g- give it to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was actually that was very nice for ESPN to yes, it was that Thanksgiving meal. That, that that was a nice meal. Everything was great except the person directly to my left. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, just overall, before we wrap it up, Feast Week in general, what any lasting memory or something? I know we have some games to be played today, but anything that kind of jumps out at you guys? I thought it was great. I mean, I, I, I thought the competition was great. I'm not sure I, I completely believe the, uh, the, the narrative that's taken place now that because we've got so many super seniors that the quality of play is all that much better. I think it's been really good, though. Uh, but I, I've seen a bunch of teams with super seniors that can't play dead. And then I've seen a, uh, some others that are really good. Um, but I, I think the top teams are, are fantastic. Uh, and, and I, but, but I do, I will tell you this, I do all these videos that have been sent to us about physicality and all that mm. games, more physical than ever. I mean, I, I, I have seen that. grinders, prize fights. It was absurd. It is absurd how physical the game is. And that's, it's fun to watch, but but uh, you know, stop talking about freedom of movement because there isn't a whole lot of it right now. Yeah, and, I, and for me, uh, Jay, the, the level to your point, the level of competition has has been incredible. And uh, one one of my favorite games uh, over the last couple of days that I got a chance to watch was that that Michigan State UConn game the other day. <laughs> Yesterday was fantastic. The level of athleticism, uh, the 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 fight, uh, the to your point, Jay, too a little bit too much, but the physicality, uh, close games. I, I just feel that uh, many of the games amongst the top teams have, have been terrific, close games, uh, fun to watch, and I've enjoyed it as an analyst, and I hope our fans have enjoyed it as well because it, it's it's so cool that in the early part of the season that we can get these top 25 matchups uh, to not only uh, have more interest in our game, but also to put on display some of the great individual talent that we have in our game and some of the uh, teams that have played against each other here early that are going to essentially be a preview for what we should see in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and possibly the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, to me, I thought the Auburn-Connecticut game was phenomenal. Another game that came right down to the end. I, I thought Memphis, if they could develop an offensive identity, like what they did defensively to Virginia Tech, a team that runs great offense, plays with great spacing, has shot makers now, doesn't have maybe a dynamic break-you-down guard. Uh, I was really impressed with Memphis. But, you know, my overall thing is this. We spent so much time talking about the portal, the portal, the portal. The guys that picked places where they where there was a fit, a need uh, and then surrendered a little bit of themselves to like winning Mm -hmm. have made a great impact. 
And, uh, you know, we talked yesterday. I, I think it's going to be really fascinating. I think the Big 12 might be – Big 12 and the SEC are probably the two best conferences in college basketball with the Big East. Those three have separated themselves. Look, let's be honest. The Big 10 has struggled early. The yeah. ACC has struggled early. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean teams aren't going to get better. But those three other conferences have done better. But you talk about the Big 12. You've got three of the best teams in the Big 12. Uh, and actually, Texas – Point guard from the portal, Marcus Carr. Baylor, James Akinjo. Mm-hmm. Kansas, Remy Martin. Mm-hmm. All right. Those, and then, you know, if you go in the SEC, you've got Severe Wheeler, Kentucky. Guys that have picked places where they impact, uh, have opportunity, and have kind of surrendered, but it, they're, they're staying in their the role that's best for their team, been mm-hmm. really, really impressive. And then my, my surprise team, of Feast Week so far has been Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's been good. They got they got older, more mature. Brockington is a big physical mm-hmm. wing player that can score it. Uh, he's been really really impressive. Uh, they they do have a freshman guard who I think is 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 really really good. But and Gabe Coucher, another guy who's a yeah. physical tough guy that's just trying to play to win. But you know I think Feast Week's been great. It's kind of hors d'oeuvres yeah. that gets us into you know, ACC Big Ten, and then we, you know, we're, you know, let's face it, season, league season starts earlier now because teams are playing 20-plus mm-hmm. league schedules. So you know, you're going to see league games starting, you know, at the end of December. So I think it's a great way for us to start the season. We've had great matchups, and uh, I can't wait for tonight. Uh, and, you know, Jay, you, I think I, I know how excited you are. You're going to actually have a blast calling that game tonight. I can't wait for tonight, and but as soon as the buzzer goes off, I can't wait to go home because I've been in Vegas for <laughs> close to ten days now, and uh, and the only the only relief I get is the occasional cocktail and uh, shake jack. But I can't keep doing this. I gotta I gotta get back to a normal routine. It's killing me. What is your favorite on Shake Shack? Because there's a rumor. I don't I don't want to say it's a fact. But there's a rumor going along that you make multiple visits and potentially you make multiple visits on the same day. I don't know if it's true. That's just things I'm hearing. We haven't done multiple on the same day, but uh, every time I've been there, uh, I have had colleagues with me. It's not like I'm, I'm <laughs> trekking there by myself. Uh, but I go, I go double shack burger, uh, fries, and a drink. Uh, I don't do, I don't do a shake. I, I, no I shake. Can't do that. No, no. I, I mean, I, I just that that's just too much for me in one stop. Uh, but but it you know, I, I've been walking the strip to try to get out of the hotel because the, these hotels, as nice as some of them are, are soul crushing. Um, you know, it's just you walk out of the casino and, and it's 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 brutal. Uh, the, the 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 one of the workers at Starbucks knows me by name now, which is really disappointing. Um, but, but it's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going home, but, but I can't wait for the game. Now with all those calories, Jay, do you do a diet Coke or do you get a regular? He does that. He's strictly Starbucks. He's he's, you know, you, I will not do it. He's not doing diet. Right here. That, there it is. Right there. That, that is diluting. Breakfast no, of champions. You, Seth, you, you actually love that stuff. But, but when you, when you order like a double cheeseburger fries and then say diet Coke, that is like delusional. You know, you are like, <laughs> you are kidding yourself. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. Like, why hit a triple when you can hit a home run? Just go. Wait a second. You just had your burger, your fries. If you go to Shake Shack 
it's almost like cookout. Great shakes. I mean, you got to yeah. go with his shake. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't want to. It's just I can't, I can't handle that much. I would, you know, I would feel, I, I couldn't walk around after that. I just, I can't handle it. It's too much. I got to do one or the other. <laughs> Fonz actually had a, had a piece of candy the other day, and, you know, he was afraid that he was just going to kind of lose it. <laughs> No wonder he didn't make his bed. I, he stayed I had, good, out. I, had, I had good and plenty for lunch. <laughs> I, I've, show, I've shown great restraints and not going to the Twix bag that they got for us, Seth. I've yeah, I just want to see you eat one Twix in that absolutely obscene way of one layer at a time. Tonight, it's a deal. It's Friday. When you, when you, by the time you're done with that one Twix, I'll have half of the bag down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, enjoy enjoy today's game. Enjoy Feast Week. Hopefully, everyone had a healthy and happy Thanksgiving with their families, and I'm looking forward to obviously the holiday season. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to this uh, as you're walking around, uh, either celebrating Black Friday or. Cozying up to the TV, listening to Jay pontificate, and Fonz and I talk for about three minutes at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid by the word.